0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE. Ghost Stealers! Ghost Stealers! Say Ghost Stealers! Ghost Stealers!
1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's April 11th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Nick, I'm really uncomfortable with conflict, especially within Uh, the family.
0: What's the conflict here?
1: Stephen Nelson. Yeah. So we're getting word, at least from Stephen Nelson's camp, that things didn't go quite as represented actually i'm not sure the steelers represented anything steven nelson seems really unhappy that he wasn't ready to leave uh they had they weren't entertaining extending his contract right it looks um yeah he doesn't make the steelers look uh like the good guys in this
0: no and i think that uh so what he came out and said was that hey here's what happened my agent and i thought that hey it's probably time to get an extension here because we saw what was going on with the cap. He even sort of referenced the not the Twitter conversation but the just the idea that everybody thought Steven Nelson was going to get an extension both because uh it 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 was timely and it could actually help the Steelers cap situation a little bit because you're figuring, "Hey, this is actually a cornerstone piece of the defense. This is a a uh, younger corner who can be on the team for a while. They could get some cap relief by extending him. So it sort of seems like it makes sense for all sides to extend this guy. He said, I knew that. My agent knew that. We kind of thought everybody knew that. So we went and asked the team to get something like this done. And they came back to me and said, Go screw yourself, Stephen Nelson. You're getting traded or cut. See you later. And that's basically the story. He said, They never gave me an opportunity to take a pay cut, which I'm, which dad, I'm sure he would have taken. Oh, if they had just given him the option to take that pay cut. When he says, hey, how about a raise? And they say, hey, how about the opposite of a raise? He'd be like, thank you for the offer. I accept. So that's why this story feels a little bit funny to me. Like, okay, we're getting Steve's side of it. But, uh, you know, I'm not – I don't think that he's making it up. And maybe that was – Exactly what they told him is like, hey, this is the plan. was to get rid of Steven Nelson either way. We got to trade you or cut you. You're whatever, $9 million he saves us on the cap. This is part of the plan, part of the plan to deal with the offseason from hell. And that's how it's going to happen. So uh, it probably raises more questions than it answers. So first off, I guess I phrased it this way. If that was their plan the whole time, Dad, what do you think about that? They just circled Steven Nelson and be like, he's gone. But then they don't retain mike kilton for six million dollars a year
1: you know what i do admire that the steelers generally don't air their laundry in public and as you mentioned before the show we're hearing one guy's version of it forgetting about the the maybe personal animosity in between the team and and nelson the whole thing doesn't make any sense we, we've we decimated yeah. the secondary oh, that's that's overstating because i still think hayden you know is is still a good cornerstone but it does seem incredibly short-sighted to let Nelson go.
0: Yeah, I, and I would say Hayden's a good cornerback. Now, cornerstone, he is not at this point because he could fall off the cliff at any time. So you're right. It just, I don't understand it. If their thought was we're going to let Steven go no matter what because we have Hilton and Sutton, these younger guys, who actually might be cheaper and who could be equally as good, if not better, players, I completely understand that. We actually talked about that all year. I said uh, at face value during the year, I think about halfway through the year, we started this crusade where I was like, can you cut Hil- Hilson and or Hilson? Can you cut Hayden and Nelson? Cause I would do that to get your slot cornerback, Mike Hilton and an outside cornerback in Sutton. And because to me, uh, Hayden, I mean, I hope he makes it one more year, but I'm just being predictive here. This is like a 32 year year old cornerback. It, there are not many you can mention at 33 who were even that good, so he's kind of out the door almost immediately here, anyways. And then you lost Stephen Nelson, so that original plan would have been great, right? But then you find out the extra news that oh, Hilton wasn't that expensive, you know. So I just I do not understand the plan here. I agree. I'm glad they don't air out their dirty laundry at the Steelers. I wish it had happened differently, but uh, yeah, it it raises more questions then it answers. I don't think he's lying about the part of them saying, hey, I'm cutting you or releasing you. I do think he threw in the thing. They didn't even offer me a pay cut. I think that was sort of a sympathy thing because the implication that he would even take a pay cut when he was looking for a pay raise, it's a little contradictory, isn't it? Another question for you, too. Uh, If we want to spin it towards the – like, there's also been this fan reaction against Nelson and Hilton, which is – I would say ridiculous, but come on. It's the most predictable thing in the world. Twitter, they hate on everything that ever happens. Any action that is taken by a human being is hated by some group of people who have problems, right? So he and Hilton have been pretty vocal on Twitter about, like, they've been blocking people. They make a lot of cryptic, not-so-cryptic tweets about how fans underappreciate them and stuff like that. And I don't know why I find that my first reaction to that is a little bit of annoyance, like... You guys are going to – you didn't tweet about the good fans, but you tweeted about the bad fans who are a few bad apples in a good group. Although – so that kind of rubs me the wrong way. You gave them the attention, but all the people who loved you and said go get paid, you ignored them and and block half your people. Although I guess I can't really speak for it because what if I were in those guys' position and you're getting that kind of hate on social media? I think that's a really hard thing to deal with.
1: Twitter is evil. It is. And look, as a guy who doesn't really engage on it too much, I'll, I'll read it to try to get some information. And you, c- you can't, I mean, I see the value from that standpoint when you look at the national media or even the local Pittsburgh media, you, you tend to get some information. But after that, don't read the comments. And the best thing that they could do is not respond. There's yeah. no value in it. There's no, there's no campaigning to help improve your contract chances.
0: We don't even need an interpretation for Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton leaving the Steelers. There, you, what world could you have bad blood towards these guys? They got paid. The Steelers ran out of money in a COVID year. Like This is what happens. This is why we're not mad at Bud. We're not mad at anyone. The Le'Veon thing was frustrating because it does seem like they I mean, they offered him $12 million a year. They offered him crazy money. It's not like they lowballed him. And he kind of badmouthed Ben and other people in ESPN interviews. That's a different type of departure. These guys leaving is just the Steelers didn't keep them. So if you want to be mad at someone, you should be mad at the Steelers, right?
1: Why is there why is there anything to be mad about? I, I can't yeah. believe there's that much emotion other than we're sorry we can't keep you. It's just it's just the math.
0: Yeah, that's but, better. What, but you are still dealing
1: with human beings. Well, you know what? I, I, I understand I what the anger. How, how do you get in the NFL with, without a little bit of coal in the in the furnace
0: oh not from those guys i mean i yeah i understand the anger from oh from the fans yeah but from the fans who like i haven't seen any of these tweets our timelines are just littered with love for those guys so i guess it's weird you know when you when you read that i guess these trolls are definitively in their comments which is so lame but we're i mean there's no analysis required like you said twitter's evil people say dumb stuff it's just too bad that those guys are letting it get to them
1: although it isn't blockbuster news, I think it's worth mentioning that the Steelers made a couple of acquisitions this week. Uh, the first one is defensive lineman TJ Carter. He's a year out of Kentucky. He went to the Cardinals and lasted a week before he was cut. And I think, I don't know if that had to do as much with his talent, as, as sort of not being drafted, and the, um, the numbers had to get down pretty rapidly at that point. But Kentucky let him come back from a pro day, and that's where the Steelers noticed him. Apparently, Danny Smith was there. So interestingly you were adding another deep where we were a little worried about the defensive line. We now have Wormley, Aloua back, uh, Carlos Davis, Isaiah Bugs, Henry Mondo. And I'm not saying that any one of those guys is going to be all pro pro bowl, but there are a lot of guys right there on the defensive line right now.
0: Yeah. And TJ Carter, anybody you're signing at this time of the year is a camp body, you know, and hopefully a diamond in the rough at best. But, we're not going to count these guys on the roster, but the bottom news is the signing of him bolsters a room that, you're right, we were worried about. And then that Alu-Alu news was is so massive. It's critical, him coming back. But, yeah, the Steelers are aware of their depth issues, and this is a sign that they're trying to address them.
1: So can you tell me who Jaron Jones is?
0: Jameer Jones? Nope. Uh, well, then, no. Who's Jaron
1: Jones jameer Jones' brother he's on our team too man he was an offensive tackle i I lost track of the offensive line so uh his brother they both both played at notre dame um jaron jones was on the defensive line until he got converted to offense in the nfl but uh, we bring in jameer jones outside linebacker or edge rusher
0: they say the steelers are a family organization And they take that very literally now because it seems like every time there's a damn player they draft, whether it's Edmonds, bring his brother in. TJ, you know what you got to do. I'll call the brother. Jones, bring the brother. That's just what's going on here. But once again, if you look at the two names we just mentioned, defensive line, outside linebacker, positions with major depth questions. So they're taking some shots in the dark, much like how they took a shot in the dark with Dwayne Haskins so far and so forth. This is just kind of procedural stuff in my mind. Uh, But it's kind of cool that there's so many brothers on the team.
1: I know. What do you bet he's going to stick to the roster?
0: Oh, I bet that he has a great chance because brothers seem to stick pretty well. And if I took that bet, I'd take it at online. Listen, it's that time of year again. And all eyes are now on pro basketball in the start of Major League Baseball season. And the way you can make those interesting, the way that they could hold a candle to the Steelers playing in the NFL season is by... Putting some scoots on the action. Put some money on there. All right? If you love hockey or golf or MMA, boxing, you can do it there as well. They got every sport, every game, every matchup. Bet Online's got you covered for all the odds and real time updates. And it's the place to be for all of your sports betting needs. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to place in and check in on all of your favorite sports bets all of the time. Head to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with Bet Online. Ching. I think the locker room is going to really benefit from the family environment brought by the Watts, the Joneses, and the Edmonds. I don't know if the other Edmonds is here right now, but they'll bring them back. And the locker room is a critical place. Where you can, I don't know, talk shop, learn about people from different backgrounds, maybe talk some crap against each other. And guess what? The locker room is coming to you because locker room is a free online audio only social media platform for sports fans. Yes sports radio is back but wait it's better than sports radio because you can actually have a conversation here and that's the good part of modern media to me it's the back and forth you can have you can actually get in touch with people like these two idiots podcasting to you right now but you can start or join ongoing conversations watch games together react to the biggest news rumors and games on locker room all you need to do is download the locker room app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow us at Steelers Outpost when our room goes live. We'll be going live on Locker Room, not now, not later, but at some point, because right now we're calendaring and we're gonna make that a high priority,
1: people. And you can join the locker room with us. This is a week we're gonna talk about tight ends. The the Steelers currently have Five tight ends on the roster, one of whom we actually (laughs) want to see on the field. Eric Ebron, Zach Gentry, Charles Jones, this guy out of Tulane, Kevin Rader, and Dax Raymond. This is still kind of depressing because Eric Ebron is a little more than a one- not not one trick pony but you know no, we've is. seen him block but even that can you even give him credit for one trick i mean we, we, we still have trepidation when he uh when a he's ball unreliable. comes his unreliable
0: he is unreliable he's very boomer bust he can do a lot of things really well i think he gets a little bit more hate than he deserves i always wondered why did uh why did he get so much hate from his former like from fans of his former teams and i do understand it i think it's just because he's very Talkative. He talks a lot. He reposts his highlights after the games and stuff like that. And then sometimes he'll make three to six critical drops in a row where it really is astounding. But his high level catches are really helpful. And honestly, he did really poorly at the same time that literally every other Steelers player did really poorly. So I'm not giving him a pass, but nobody played well during the collapse last year. And I think if you look outside of the collapse, he actually had a very nice year. He has. Good chemistry with Ben. I always think back to that touchdown he had against, was it Houston? Jeez, the Steelers played Houston. What a weird year. Um, yeah, that kind of got them back in the game. Uh, back shoulder catch in the corner of the end zone—something we haven't seen a Steelers tight end do really ever. And I actually do think he's a critical you know, piece of the Steelers offense going forward. But like you said, I mean, he's going to drop the ball and he's not going to block anybody. And those are two certainties. So we know the Steelers need another guy. And I was pleasantly surprised with this tight end group. I've been hearing that it's pretty crappy. And you and I watched a bunch of the film. And I think that there's a lot of potential in this group.
1: But it's, it seems to be a lot of potential. What has me, I mean, I was just looking yeah. at historically what the Steelers have done for tight ends. And mm. you just stop at Heath Miller. Just stop at Heath Miller. I yeah. love Vance. He just had a short shelf life, relatively speaking, because he just got spoiled with 11 years of, of Heath. Yeah. Jesse James was a little north of serviceable. Matt Spath was, you know, he was a role player. I actually think my favorite in the group was David Johnson. Well, we love David Didn't he Johnson. come back – didn't he play for the Steelers every other year for like seven years?
0: Yeah, he was a bi-yearly kind of Steeler, and he did well with that. And and then the irony is Ladarius Green was the best one of all of them, including Heath, for about six quarters. <laughs> he, had, he, yeah, he had more literally. concussions than quarters that he played. Poor guy. But, man, when he was in, he was dominant. So I they've tried you know, to bring in tight ends, particularly through free agency, has been the strategy recently. And uh, honestly, I think that they were both kind of really successful pickups. Obviously, Ladarius Green, it wasn't. But he had this extenuating circumstance that's very rare of having so many concussions that he couldn't play anymore. And I know some people might be listening out there saying, well, he actually had concussion issues before he got to Pittsburgh. But it wasn't such a track record that told you, oh, this guy, he he can't make it through a full season. We didn't know that yet. And you don't often see many players who are starting caliber guys have to get run out of the league from concussions. It is very rare. So in my opinion, I'm like, they took a flyer on that aspect of him. He kind of was an outlier in terms of not being able to finish with them. But we saw him in his little time on the field. This was a stud. I mean, he had 100 yards, I think, at two of the games he played in, and he had good chemistry with Ben. And then you bring Vance in, and Vance was very good for the Steelers as well. So they've had some success bringing guys in. They haven't had much success drafting over the middle rounds, although I guess you could say, hey, Jesse was, he, he was above serviceable. As you, that's a really accurate way of putting it, the way you said it. But they, they need something a little bit more than that. And like you said, the group of tight ends we're going to go over right now I guess the scary part is it is potential. You see a hilarious amount of athletic ability, right? Isn't it weird scouting tight ends now? Don't you feel like you're scouting gigantic slot receivers? That's what you were telling me the other day. Um, These guys can move, and they're real athletes. But what I was happiest with was there are some big-body guys who have delivered some violent blows. So I think that if you could develop some of these guys – you have some real complimentary options for Ebron and guys who also fit in the modern game. Now, the question will be, will the Steelers be able to develop some of these guys? And will they take one before the fifth, sixth round?
1: Just uh, before you finish on our old roster, what do you, you know, Xavier Grimble. Ah, like fumble. it got I know, well, yeah, there were some things he did. But when you look at his statistics, it was this precipitous decline. He actually had a little bit of... There was a spark of hope at the beginning. And by the way, I thought we picked him up in uh free agency or the draft, but we took him from San Francisco. He was on like three teams in one year, got let go, and we picked him up. So we had him from 2016 to 2019. It's just that he had flashes. Yeah. But that stupid fumble on what, like the three-yard line? The one. It's almost no, like the one going spiking the, the ball. The one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The The football IQ wasn't there, but... We're going to move on. So we did look at potential tight ends in the draft. We are not. We will mention, but we didn't analyze Kyle Pitts. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very unlikely. I mean, where's he slated to go?
0: Top 10. I mean, this is the best tight end prospect. I guess they had, uh, who was the guy we talked about a few years ago who plays for the Lions right now? I don't know why I'm I'm completely blanking on his name. Oh, goodness. He's one of the guys from Iowa. They had Noah Fant in this guy. This is disturbing. If you wouldn't mind looking up the tight end's name for Detroit, I know people might be yelling at me on the podcast, but he was considered the best tight end prospect in years. And I think he's actually kind of delivered that. He's been really good. He just hasn't been the volume catch kind of guy, but he was known as like a well-rounded, he can block, he can catch. Kyle Pitts is a six-five oh. monster who runs a four-four. <laughs> so he's like what Jimmy Graham wishes he could be. In, in Jimmy Graham's prime. So Kyle Pitts, all we'll say about him is obviously the Steelers have no chance of getting a guy like that. I know we've covered some other guys in the draft who, who might fit that bill as well. The Steelers aren't getting them. My only suggestion for everybody out there is just go watch his highlights. It's an enjoyable 5 to 20 minutes because he is a freak of nature. He is like a Saquon Barkley of tight ends in the sense that like, oh, they they make people like that now? That's interesting. So, yeah, we didn't cover Pitts, but we got a bunch of other guys for you.
1: I think you were thinking of TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson.
0: Yeah. That was ridiculous. I couldn't pull that. Yeah, he's looked good, actually, so far for Detroit, but he hasn't been, like, the dominant pass catcher, like uh, Kittle or Kelsey or those kind of guys. But uh, yeah, Pitts but he's on the
1: Ascension. Yeah. Right. So, first on the docket, Tommy Tremble, Notre Dame. He is a redshirt senior. Again, uh-huh. that's a that's a little more time in the uh, in the college ranks than the Steelers generally like to see. But he's 6'4", 248.
0: Yeah, uh, I had flashbacks to Chase Claypool. All right, and I'll tell you some of that is warranted and some of it's not. But what I mean is that Notre Dame, we're watching Notre Dame again. Okay, Ian Book, their quarterback man, is not good. All right, so. They leave, a lot of, they leave a lot of plays on the field. I shouldn't have said his name. I feel so rude for saying that. He's better than me. I'll tell you that much. He's better than us. But, uh, yeah, as far as that goes, you're getting some major recruiting studs at a school like Notre Dame. But they're not getting the production if the quarterback in the offensive system can't get them the ball, which was the Chase Claypool story. I also feel, like Chase Claypool, Tommy Tremble does not belong in a Notre Dame uniform. Their numbers on the jersey are too small. It makes their bodies look really awkward and you cannot get a handle over like how big they are or how athletic they are because it looks so goofy with those damn numbers for the tall guys in particular. So I think some of those aspects, I'm not kidding you, I think some of those aspects make these guys go a little under the radar and that's what I feel like with Tommy Tremble and it's potential, 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 but oh my goodness, this guy, is so smooth i mean all of these guys that we're going to mention they like play out of the slot like uh, there's almost no one you're watching right now with the way the the college game works who's playing in a three-point stance the whole game so you can almost just assume that for all these guys but this man can jump over people he catches the ball smoothly and turns up field and can make moves and he's 6'4" 248 which is basically the size of all these guys. So he has shown the the willingness to be a blocker. Another modern tight end phrase I feel like we've done, you know, 20 tight end bro- breakdowns over the year and the best they get is willing blocker because if they're a good blocker they're not I don't want to be a blocker. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of them don't, Jimmy Graham, right? But the best like I want to be a blocker because I can't catch, but if you can catch you're like, "Well, why would I be a blocker?" Um, but he is willing, and he's got the frame a little bit more than Eric Ebron, who offers literally nothing in that department, although he was a little more willing this year. Um, anyways, on, uh, Tommy Tremble, that would be a great mid-round pick for the Steelers because you might be get just athletically and the fact that he's doing this at Notre Dame in that program and against the competition they're playing no, lets you know that the athleticism will translate to the NFL. This is a guy who might be more talented than his modest – um stat count because uh, he's very smooth on the field now i'll say he has some drops and uh, maybe that comes with uh, only getting the ball throwing your way twice every week or once every week and not, you know, getting in a rhythm with that. So that's a little bit risky, but uh, either way, big guy, super smooth athlete. And I think big play potential who might be getting drafted later than when, where his athletic profile would deserve because of the shortcomings of the rest of the Notre Dame offense.
1: Sure. I think it bears noting that the resume consists of exactly 35 receptions and 400 yards.
0: Yeah, the resume is laughably tiny, isn't it? But the other reason why he didn't have many stats is because he got stuck behind two superstar tight ends. Cole Komet, who does he play for now? You really see how little I care about these young tight ends in the NFL right now, don't we? Cole Komet, I'm just blanking here, but he um, was just a superstar two years ago, plays for the Bears. Got it. And... So Tommy Tremble was second fiddle to this guy. Then they had a freshman superstar this year at Notre Dame who also became the number one tight end over Tommy Tremble. So that put his receiving stats down. And I know that sort of sounds like, okay, well, he got beat out by two guys. So how good could he be? Well, Cole Kmet was one of the best tight ends in the nation. If not the, I don't know, he might have got the award for the best tight end in the nation. And this freshman is also a superstar. So we're talking about like Notre Dame you can have two of the best tight ends in the country on your team. And by the way, we're also not talking about a first-round tight end. This this is a guy you could get in the middle rounds whose value is being depressed because his stats were lower. But if he had gone to a different school, I'm sure those stats would have been higher. But what I'm looking at is his ability to compete on the field against the great athletes that Notre Dame has and is playing against. And In that arena, he looks very natural. So, if And I know the Steelers love Notre Dame, and they've had a lot of contact with him, and I think that they've had interest specifically in Tommy Tremble. So it's a possibility, and I'd be a big fan if they took him.
1: Next up on our docket, Pat Fryermuth. He's out of Penn State. He's a junior, natural junior, 6'5", 250. Again, your classic measurements for a tight end. He does seem, from what the tape I saw, Capable and willing receiver. It's good that a tight end is willing to receive.
0: <laughs> but you know
1: the best... Go ahead.
0: No, you got it. What's the best part? They, I, they so I'm, the name is
1: The line I love the best that describes him appears to have remained hesitant to fully buy into the blocking role.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Is that a draft network line?
1: i think so yeah
0: or nfl yeah anyways shout out to the draft network they have great comprehensive scouting reports for all of these guys over here uh it's a cheap service too it's very affordable it's not even like 30 bucks for the whole year so check those guys out um freer freer Friermouth. fryermuth it's I st- you know I, and i learned his name right before the podcast and naturally i forgot it if any of you read harry potter out there uh this rem- this tight end reminds me of Hermione Granger and the fact that I was obsessed with those books and <laughs> I had no idea how to pronounce that girl's name. It's just you recognize the word when you see it. It's like a symbol, right? Like oh, I get it. That symbol means good job. It's a thumbs up. That's what Pratt f- is for me. The same way when the Harry Potter movies, which are you know they're not trash, but they're they're not good, when they came out and they said Hermione, I said oh. I don't know what I was thinking. Hermanine? Herman I just looked at it as a symbol. So yeah, look up this guy's pronunciation. Or you can just call him Baby Gronk because that was his nickname on a bunch of the highlight videos he has on YouTube. And I saw that and sneered immediately. Like, good God, come on, people. It's a big white ten in number 87. Let's, let's not get lazy here. And then I watched a lot of his tape from this year, and I did not see Baby Gronk. I did not see a guy making contested catches. I did not see a guy blocking, you know, very aggressively, and I definitely didn't see him running over anybody. And I said, this is just a lazy comparison. And then I went back to the year before, and then I went back to the year before that with Trace McSorley, and I saw it. I said, oh, he just caught the ball against Ohio State and trucked three people at the same time to get in the end zone and might have broken one of their jawbones. That is what they were talking about. This guy, he at 6'5, 250, again, smooth player. That's going to be a, a resounding theme for pretty much all of these guys who share that measurement and that trait but he has this physicality that he actually seems to he had more of it the year with mcsorley and then what happened in the uh, subsequent years is the quarterback play was awful i mean these guys cannot get the ball out of their hands the line couldn't protect them as well and uh, they're just throwing little hook routes so he's not as involved as he was when he was a freshman with mcsorley and that offense was wheeling and dealing but it seemed like when he was more involved he was catching the ball with guys draped all over him and especially catching the ball and trucking people Uh, Kittle style Vance McDonald's like Vance you know when it's we laugh when he would catch the ball and it is really tough to tackle him with one guy and uh, Freermuth seems like that type of dude except for he is a more capable and uh, consistent receiver and then I did see actually towards the end of his senior tape or his um, junior tape his, his final tape he did become more willing as a blocker. It did seem like they put him in those positions more because the team had to run more, and and you would hope that they'd get to a guy like that and tell him like, dude, you, you could kill people. If you can run over people like this with the ball in your hands, imagine what you could do using your hands to block someone. So to me, out of all the players we're looking at, maybe there's one other who would have this type of potential. This guy already is a very good pass catcher. He's good around the red zone, but he could be a very good blocker because he does have a violent physicality when he can turn it on.
1: For many of these tight ends who aren't really blockers in cause, they describe them as needing functional work, and um, they say they can get that in the NFL. So you've already had the physical traits. He's actually not a bad athlete, unlike um, some of the other guys we're going to be listing here. Yeah. So maybe he he has the building blocks.
0: Yeah, he's... Really Can I tell from you, that perspective.
1: But I did watch and he's a he, he was like a ridiculously poor blocker in the games I looked at. I mean, he would make contact and he, it looked like he didn't know how to block. It didn't look like he was afraid. He would like run up at a guy, wouldn't wouldn't square his hips and yeah. his shoulders and get his hands E-Bron. placed. It was sort of like glancing. You know, he's just looking to sort of redirect but you know, you could yeah. you could roll right off him because he just had no technique.
0: Yeah, and, and no want to either, right? And you almost could see that, like, how much more anima— and I don't. I want to be careful not to put a narrative on here, especially as, like, I'm not a Penn State fan. I didn't watch every game he played for three years. I'm sure Penn State fans out there, you could tell me even better. But um, I don't want to put a narrative on the guy, but you could almost see, like, it looks like it was fun playing when they were good, and they had Trace McSorley, and you were getting the ball, and you were a freshman, and you could run with the ball and then you get to the crap that they had to go through the next you know the following years and it's like maybe you get less involved maybe you're less um you don't want to throw your body in there as much like hey we're we're not winning a single game didn't they weren't they like not winning a game at a certain point there earlier this past year and then they like i'm supposed to be going to the nfl i'm not going to mix it up in there whereas with the in the nfl like listen dude every tight end on the roster every NFL team has a tight end who can catch like you at this point you might have a higher upside but if you want to get on the field you're going to need to learn how to block if you want to have a career here so maybe it'll be fight or flight that way and uh, I know that's a big um, question mark but I just saw moments of, of violent physicality which either you have or you don't from him and maybe that could be something that was taught to him in the NFL although you're right so far like all the rest of these tight ends not impressive
1: oh my gosh you're right the Lions lost their first five games one of them they got crushed by Maryland of all teams but they ended up winning their last four there you go boys so let's move on to a guy whose name I can't pronounce Hunter Long out of Boston College surprisingly 6'5 254 he led all tight ends this year with 89 targets which is 22 more than the next guy
0: My question is, did Kyle Rudolph go to Boston College? Let's look that up. Where did he go to college? Kyle Rudolph. Notre Dame. I was wrong. Okay. Well, either way, I wanted to make some comparisons there, but I won't. Hunter Long. High usage, tight end. Same body type as the rest of them. Not as smooth or as athletic as the other tight ends on this list. Maybe a little bit more polished in the past game because of his usage. Again, terrible uniforms. Tiny little numbers. Looks very goofy. Not sexy. This is... <laughs> uh, yeah, this is Hunter Long compared to some of the other... Exa- Tommy Tremble. You tremble when you see this dude, right? Pat from. Fr- By the time you're done pronouncing his name, he's already in the end zone. Well, this is Hunter Long, and uh, he's just good at catching the ball, man. Yeah, he's not overly explosive, but he's just good at everything. Decent blocker, incredibly reliable receiver. If you think about the Steelers – Wow, that will be attractive having like a very reliable guy there. And he's better than the old school reliable tight ends where like, listen, they have some speed now. This isn't some plotting guy. This isn't Jesse James. This is a polished pass catching tight end whose ceiling probably is not as high as the rest of these guys, but maybe could be the reliable type of option that the Steelers will be looking at. So that's kind of how I think of Hunter Long. Let's take some bets on the Steelers taking a tight end. Are they going to do it before round three? Probably not. I want to put that money down. Let's put it down on Bet Online. Let's make that bet. It's that time of the year again. Basketball, baseball. No. NFL draft. That's the bets you want to be making, baby. And the best place to make them is at Bet Online. Now, not only do they have the draft on deck, but they've got you covered for all the odds and real time updates. For all of your sports needs. And yes, that includes basketball, baseball, hockey, golf, MMA, fighting guys and girls. Championship boxing, Bet Online has it all. So head over to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with Betching Online. Listen, there were some dudes from Texas one time who told me over the radio. In a sing song type of voice that like chicks dig guys in cool sunglasses. I forget exactly the lyric, but a couple of Texan guys let me know about that and I realized wow, sunglasses, not only are they important for the longevity of your damn eyesight, which you can't get back, you can get LASIK. Oh yeah, by lasering parts of your eyes off. How about you keep what you got and look cool while you're doing it and do it with canon? sunglasses, that's K-A-E-N-O-N, sunglasses, Canon sunglasses. These dudes are using Japanese optics. And Japanese optics makes Canon's lenses clearer, lighter, maybe more importantly, stronger than other lenses. So when you're out there paddleboarding, when you're out there fighting guys in the street, when you're out there saying, hey, don't fight in the street, guys. Enjoy the sunshine. You drop those sunglasses, it's not even gonna matter because these Italian-made frames and these Japanese optics keep these things fit as a fiddle. They only make polarized lenses to protect that eyesight. They're very hard to scratch, and you guys are getting the point here because uh, it's pretty easy to destroy your own sunglasses, and if you get ones that aren't going to get destroyed, they usually look like crap. Well, guess what? Canon's solved all of these issues. And if you use that code canoncast 15 you'll get 15% off. On your first pair of Canons. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon cast 15. And you can get 15% off your first pair of Canons.
1: Okay, Nick. Circle this next guy because this is my guy. <gasps> Brevin Jordan, junior out of Miami. Yes. This is the one negative in my estimation. He's, he's only 6'3", 245. But this guy seems to have the full panoply of weapons at his disposal. This guy, I am
0: imagining a scenario right now. I'm asleep in bed, okay? You you know, maybe my home security camera is on. I don't know how people are seeing this, but they're seeing this. People are interested, okay? They become less interested when they realize the bed is covered in sweat because I'm having a nightmare. And that nightmare is me trying to tackle Brevin Jordan. This man is a freight train. Can we get the name Night Train back? Because this is the modern night train. This is a catch and run tight end. This is a little weirdo. Brevin Jordan out of Miami, 6'3", he loses two inches from that 6'5", and he gains about two times the amount of agility because this dude, is so explosive as a runner. And Miami, they, they threw the ball downfield for sure, but they gave him so many screen passes on the boundary. I've never seen it, anything like it for a tight end. I know you could use George Kittle that way. He's kind of the only one in the NFL right now who, who totally fits that bill. Yeah, those other guys catch Like, good Kelsey can catch a screen. Noah Fank can catch a screen. But Kittle is a little bit lower to the ground, and he's such a good runner that – He can make it happen. They tried it with Vance. Vance didn't have enough pickup speed. Vance needs a head of steam. This dude, Brevin Jordan, gets the ball. For some reason, they run their screens four yards behind the line of scrimmage, so he's already starting way back there. He catches it very smoothly, turns upfield. He'll juke one corner, stiff arm the other one, and then kind of run over the safety on on his way to a 12-yard game. He is such a an explosive player with the ball in his hands and he definitely made a bunch of catches downfield. I need to figure out what the downside of this guy is. Um, I didn't see... I didn't get the chance to see many contested catches from him. And that's what really annoys me about this tight end class. A lot of them are just getting the ball with so much space. And only a few guys, i got to see them really catch the ball with people on them, which you're going to have to do in the NFL. They're, those guys are going to be on you. You're not going to be game plan wide open all the time. But I just think of what this guy can do. And he's 6'3", 245, so he's a big dude. He's jacked. He's, he's, he's a monster. He's the man. I got to think that this guy, another willing blocker, right? He's kind of one of those guys We're like, okay, I've seen him get in there, but this is a guy who grew up wanting to be a receiver probably, and they're giving him screen passes, so they're telling him, you are a receiver. But I do see his ability to be able to block if he could hone some of that, right? But this dude sort of really matches what Matt Canada wants to do. It matches what Ben wants to do, i.e. get the ball out of his hands before it even gets into his hands. And he could be a real value in the catch and run game, and uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about him as well. I think that's cool that we kind of landed on the same guy there. What, what, uh, what else did you think about him?
1: Well, what I really liked about him is a was rated low, so it's possible he be he'll be there. We want him and his growth. If you look at his um, receptions and yardage over time, it, there's continual growth, he's, and he's still an underclassman.
0: Yeah, so that there's there's a lot of clay to work with here and I almost feel bad for like am I over hyping this guy? I don't think so. I just think that it's it's very weird to see the type of thing he did. It reminds me of when DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, those type of guys, those Panthers receivers Uh, DJ Moore's at Maryland and he's the kind of receiver just like Debo Samuel who we covered and we talked about like this in our draft coverage and then San Francisco ended up using him this way they're like dude throw him the ball at two yards and just let him run he's a weird uh, running back extension and Brevin Jordan is one of the first tight ends I've seen used in that role and so I, I know that that works no matter what. And I've seen him catch the ball downfield, so you think, okay, I've I've, I've got a little bit of a sample size there, so it's not like this is some gadget player. But I'm just saying the type of athleticism you need to be that big and that strong, to take a screen and and move smoothly upfield is pretty wild and uniquely suited for the modern NFL and for what Matt Canada likes to do. So I think this guy is an incredible fit. I'm not sure where he's going to go. Have you seen any predictions on where Brevin Jordan's going to go? But, uh, yeah, I, I I like every tight end we've covered, to be honest with you. I like all of these guys. This guy just seems like he would be a fit from, like, a potential standpoint. Like, this guy could be a star. And then from a scheme standpoint, like, well, I already know exactly how they could use him in this scheme. So, yeah, also a big fan of Brevin Jordan.
1: So, I think the train ends here with the uh, guys who we would like <laughs> – Kylan Granson, SMU, <laughs> he's a senior, 6'2", shortest guy on our list, 242.
0: And that's my issue with them. It's like, uh, you know, 6'2", 242, that's massive, and I do not believe that. There's no way he weighs that much. He looks smaller. Again, another horrific uniform situation with SMU and the tiny numbers, and he wore some half sleeves that did not He looked goofy as hell in the pads, but he is not goofy on the field. Another shifty tight end. Now, you got to see him make a ton of catches, outrun a ton of guys, make one-handed catches in the end zone, and, and really play a uh, tight end like a receiver against you know crappy competition with SMU. Now, here's another positive. He transferred from Rice. The Steelers have had a lot of success with these Rice tight ends and Vance McDonald retiring recently. But, uh, yeah, he is a little bit small and um agile for me to be like uh like spending a, a a pick on him. I could see him getting thrown around a little bit. Uh but he, he's just he's well rounded in in that slot role that he played. And he's willing to be physical. We'll just see how much he can stand up against that. But hey, he might be able to put on a little bit more uh poundage, but he is a senior, right, Dad?
1: He is a senior. Aren't you are you concerned at all about his drop so he's had a 204 career targets he's dropped 16 it's getting real close to
0: 10% so weird with these tight ends like they have big men bodies and they ha- and the great ones have the agility of the small men they're the uh, the the uh, outliers but even ebron's like they just they can't <laughs> so hard to find the guys who can do all that stuff consistently. So I don't have a massive concern with it. I sort of think it kind of comes with the territory when you're taking late round tight ends with high athletic profiles. Like they often drop the ball. You get a Xavier Grimble type of guy, you know. But, yeah, uh, Kylan – what is it? Kylan, right? Kylan Granson. He is a good player. And I like – I just – you know, with that sort of athletic profile, I don't know how comfortable I'd be taking him early. But if they got him, it depends on how Canada utilized him because he is pretty polished, uh, running routes all over every part of the field. And I do like that I got to see him make contested catches. Look, when he's running past all the two-lane defenders, I don't know how much that translates to the NFL. You're not running past him. But when he's making a catch over a guy from Duke or Tulane or whatever it is in the back of the end zone... That does translate. I mean, the guy's on you already, right? Sure, the NFL corners are better, but I like to see can you track the ball and grab it away from a man when he's one-on-one with you. In those situations, you don't really have to care which uniform is on his opponent. So he is a nice, uh, polished receiver in that way.
1: So as far as important dates coming up, it's still unclear to me whether uh, and what the off-season workouts are going to be like. They are scheduled to begin April 19th. But I think the one thing we can count on is they're not going to move the draft, April 29th. So that is what we are working our way up to through these draft analyses. Uh, One little thing before we get out of here. Do you or are you aware that the NFL distributes an annual performance-based payout to each team?
0: Apparently, that's what the story is.
1: Each team gets, this year, got $8.5 million. And uh, leading the pack, almost everybody gets some money, but leading the pack for the Steelers is... Chooks 4. he got about $570,000. Did you realize he had about, I think he had the second highest percentage of snaps on the team behind Alejandro Villanueva, who had 100% wow. of snaps.
0: 100. And look, the number was 1,100 snaps. What an even number.
1: Yeah, yeah. The second highest paid guy was Juju at 440000 So it's interesting. And I think it has to do with... uh it, it it is good because we we were talking about what a deal teams get on some of these rookies who make it out. I mean they're constrained in the size of the contract they can sign, and what if they have what if they break out well before their second contract? So, this is kind of minuscule in the scheme of things, but not minuscule for a guy on a rookie contract. Okay, looks like next week we're going to cover a position that seems more and more likely to be chosen in the early rounds: inside linebacker. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.
1: It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you.